it's time once again for Unprofessional. I am, as always, Lex Friedman, and joined, as always, by the seventh man to walk on the moon, Mr. Dave Wiskus. Hi, Dave. Hello, Lex. And, uh, you know, each week we, we see if we can outdo ourselves in terms of which guests are, are gracing us here on Unprofessional. And we failed miserably this time, but at least we tried. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Our, our, incredibly, Don't be that guy. our incredibly awesome guest this week is none other than Josh Molina. Hi, Josh. Huzzah. Hello. Welcome. Now, I'm welcoming you to your own show. I appreciate that. That was arrogant. I'm starting off really, really <laughs> arrogant. That's a strong start. Actually, this is take seven. Don't we? We usually don't acknowledge that, but we've gone That's through true. this. I keep, I can't, I keep doing it over and over. And I can't not <laughs> welcome you. Now you tend to be credited as Joshua Molina, and I've been informally calling you Josh now for for an hour. Is that acceptable? Is that Josh- actually is it's just more pretense. I refer to myself as Joshua, name. Uh, um, that no one else uh, uses to refer to me. Although my parents occasionally, um, my wife, I suppose, if she's really pissed off. Um, <laughs> I guess I just felt like in credits. I made the decision a long time ago, and they're like, how do you want to be listed in the credits? I, said, I figured I'd go with my full real name, Joshua Molina. Um, but no one really calls me that, but I've stuck with it. All right, I approve. Way to hang in there. I might be more successful if I credited myself as Josh Molina. and It may, that just, it may just be audience confusion. Do you feel that that syllable is holding you back? Possibly. It's, isn't it two syllables? I know something is. I think the ua is two syllables. Right, Joshua. Well, yeah, I guess. Oh, that, well, that explains it. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, well, for the, I don't know, the 0.007% of our listeners uh, who aren't familiar with the Molina oeuvre, tell the listeners who you are. I am Joshua Molina. <laughs> we just said that. Weren't you people uh, listening? I am a middle-aged <laughs> Jewish actor. <laughs> I've been in the business for almost a quarter century. I'm known, I guess, to the extent that I am known. Uh, I'm known best for a, a TV show called Sports Night, a TV show called West Wing, and currently I'm on a show called Scandal on ABC. Thursday nights at 10, 9 Central. <laughs> <laughs> With Kerry Washington, no less. With Kerry Washington, who is a uh, bona fide, real, actual star. I mean, now if this were if this were a live studio audience show, I I don't know which of those three shows you just mentioned would get the loudest applause break because they're all great. Yeah, and these days, uh, thanks to things like Netflix, uh, and actually all three shows are on Netflix. Um, it's great uh, TV shows that uh, perhaps got a raw deal like Sports Night and were canceled. Uh, from my point of view, prematurely uh, ran a scant two seasons. They get a new life uh, because you know you can stream them from home and now. Kids that maybe weren't even alive uh, when it first aired 12 years ago are uh, are watching the show, which is very cool. I think that if Josh Molina is the best thing about Scandal, it has to be a tie with Tony Goldwyn only because Tony, like me, went to Brandeis University. So I have to I have to give Tony. Ah, yeah. If we could just go one episode without you mentioning where you went to college. Well, humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he was a Brandeis man. Uh, you know, worst case, I'm wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure. My brain, to- <laughs> my brain tells me it's true, so it must uh, be. Can't wait to check later. I'm hoping you're wrong. Oh, I'm totally Wikipediaing this right now. As you should. He went to Brandeis University in Waltham, Massachusetts, where he received his BFA. And now double check to see whether you went there. <laughs> I did not. Oh. My whole life oh, is I'm talking the wrong one. We're still waiting to get our Wikipedia entries. That's right. Although, uh, Josh, yours doesn't have a picture. You got to get on that. My Wikipedia doesn't have a picture? There is no photograph of you here. That's I have sad. no idea what you look like. Right I, mean, now. I mean, whoever whoever bothered to put anything that's up there up couldn't have been bothered to put up an image. Is that really true? It's it's kind of amazing, actually. That's terribly sad. 
Well, now what happens if I put a picture up there, say, of Tony Goldwyn? <laughs> will that, will Somebody that will last, take it will down. That, uh, someone will take it down. Yeah. It won't last very long. Yeah. Okay. The other trick is it has to be. It can't be a copyrighted image. Actually, this is funny. There is one piece of misinformation I put on my own Wikipedia page, and I'm looking at it right now, and it, it remains there. Are you are you uh-huh. really five ten? That is exactly it. <laughs> I'm really more five eight and a half, and I decided uh, while remaining credible, you know, I can't put up six feet. Um, that five ten was perhaps credible, and it's uh, there. It is. It's funny if there were anything I was going to change on your Wikipedia page right now, it was going to be the height to make you even taller. But I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> right. I love that you picked that out immediately. No, no, no need to read the text. It's right there in the upper right hand corner in the just basic uh, information box. I'm changing it to say five ten and a half. <laughs> and as soon as this interview is over, I'm adding a picture of Tony Goldman. Uh, I want to add when you, when, you, when you folks listen, I encourage you to see whether the Tony Goldman picture is uh, <laughs> still up there, and if it's not, to uh, add your own piece of misinformation about me. I want to add a weight line because nobody ever has weights on their Wikipedia thing. I was with a height five <laughs> ten weight eight hundred pounds. I am shockingly heavy. Let's play a guess my weight. Okay, I'll give you each a uh, guess. All right, I weighed myself this morning. You're five eight and a half. I'm five eight and a half. I don't know why I even admitted that. I, I usually say five nine. I say my name is Joshua and I'm five nine. <laughs> All right. Well, let me. Here's how I'm going to back my way into my weight prediction for you. I, I understand. I have very thick skin, which I think weighs more. And I also won't take offense. Uh, you, you don't have to. You don't have to pull your punches. Just guess whatever you think. I, I wow. have no idea what a five ten person is. I'm going to guess one forty six. Excellent guess. Do you, do you want? Do you want me to guess? I'm going to guess 300 pounds. <laughs> okay, Lex is closer, <laughs> but still off by over 50 pounds. No way. No, I'm wrong because my math is very poor. But he's <laughs> off by more than 40 pounds. I weighed this morning 189.9. That's amazing, right? You, I'm like, how is that possible? Density of plutonium. Where are you putting it? I don't know. I really, I mean, it is shocking, right? I mean, when they, I, I don't know. That's incredible. I have a closet full of uh, cheap stuffed animals from Guess My Weight at carnivals. <laughs> Nobody has ever correctly guessed my weight, you know, even within 20 pounds. I, 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 we're going to ruin this gig for you because a lot of carnival barkers listen to this show. That's probably, that's, that's, that's pretty much our audience. Yeah. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to have to go to uh, such things in disguise. Uh, the, uh, you have another internet hobby. That yes. I've seen you tweet about porn. No, it's um, uh, geocaching. You are a geocacher, and I almost understand what that means. I am a geocacher. Is this where I get to bring in my son, with whom I geocache most frequently? We, you should, you should introduce him so that we're all on the same page. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> weighing in at I believe sixty pounds. Sixty-six. Sixty-six. Uh, <laughs> here we are. He's already correct. Way to me. correct us. <laughs> I was off by about ten percent. Okay, hang on. I'm giving him one of my. Uh, headphone earbuds. This is Avi Molina. Hello. Hi, Avi. Hi, Hi. Avi. So, Avi, we've we've dragged you in to talk about geocaching. Okay. Um, so, can we? Are we just going to give you the one hundred and one on what geocaching is? Well, who who got into it first? What, did Avi get you into it, or did you bring Avi into it, Chai? Um, my friend, my neighbor, told me about it, and then I told my dad about it. And so, what exactly is it? Because I don't know. It's like. A worldwide GPS scavenger hunt where, like, people hide little, like, boxes, um, like an Altoids box, and then post the coordinates onto a website, and you can find it in an app, and you try to find it. 
based on like a hint in a description. And when you find things, do you get to keep them? Ah, very good question. No, the ethos of geocaching is that you find it, whatever the, and they're different sizes. They can be tiny little, can be the size essentially of like a quarter, a micro cache or a nano cache, they call that, or a giant ammo box hidden maybe in the woods somewhere. And, uh, Generally, there's at least a paper log in there that you're meant to um, fish out and sign with the date and your geocache handle. And then you roll it back up and put it back. Then there's sometimes, if it's a bigger cache, there will be swag. Like, there are little charms or weird things. Obviously, stuck an iPhone case in one that we hid. And so you find a thing, you take it out, and you leave something else in. Or you can just be one of those cachers who just sort of writes your name on the log, and that's it. But... Um, the key thing... So it's like a really anti-social swap meet? Very well put. Very well articulated, yes. And the, but the key thing is to put the cache itself back exactly where you found it. Precisely where you found it so that the coordinates are still uh, correct. And the next person looking uh, at those coordinates will find it. But So it's really more about finding the thing, signing it to prove that you were there, uh, and then uh, returning it. Right, Avi? Yes. So Avi, what's the coolest thing you found? Myself. <laughs> we really did find ourselves. A dollar. A dollar. So wait a minute. Did you take it? Yes. <laughs> did you spend it? Oh. No. Did you return it? You put it in another cash? No, I lost it. <laughs> oh. No, I lost it. That I've is also, yeah, taking things and losing them is also <laughs> That's okay, because that's not stealing. Um, that's right. if, if you didn't get personal gain from it, I, no crime has been committed. If it's unintentional, it's not. I would say it's generally less about what you find in these things than the way the things are hidden. We have found some cool... uh, One I found on private property at a guy's house. Part of his sort of electrical equipment outside his house. um, There was just a little chamber that you could swing up and the cache was... The log was inside it. It was actually on private property, although the guy was encouraging you, saying, it's okay, I own this house, you can come on. And he had to kind of sneak onto his property and, uh, like, futz with his electric meter. Yeah, but unless there's a sign or something. I I mean, I live in Colorado. You do that, you get shot. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I guess there is that. I live in California where everybody's much chiller. I kind of want to set up a murder mystery situation where somebody claims that it's Ooh. their house and says, you know, here it's hidden in this spot, but then when you go there, it's somebody else's property and they actually want you to scare that person or murder them. We I, don't know, I haven't thought that. about all the story points yet. It's nice that you've turned this uh, family-friendly hobby into something evil. And, uh, <laughs> but we actually we did talk about that, about hiding a cash on someone's property that you don't like and then inviting people, <laughs> you know, just inviting the masses to come look for it. It's right inside the front door. With a sign saying, feel free to walk in. There are an incredible number of very cool things. We, we hid one that's really literally just it's a rock and pushed into the earth. And if you lift that particular rock, you see that there's a tube underneath it attached with the log inside. So there are a lot of weird, wow. evil things. Sometimes part of a part of a gate, you'll realize that the end, the knob on the end actually screws off and the log is in there. So it's there. It's a very cool, like way to hide things. Like from the government. <laughs> I have a terrible sense of direction. Am I going to be bad at this? No, I have no sense of direction either. What's that? Well, it tells you, like, if you walk, it tells you what direction to go in. And if you're walking in the wrong, it tells you, like, 
how many feet away you are from it, and then if you get closer, closer. You're given the coordinates, and you can use like an app on your iPhone or your smartphone, or if you uh, get more serious about it, we just bought a little, uh, fairly inexpensive GPS device. So you you put in the coordinates, and you start um, getting a general sense of where you need to go. You can or you can look at the map view and realize what streets you need to drive to or where you need to hike if it's uh, off road. And then once you start to get close, you switch to compass mode, and it gives you the uh, the uh, you know what direction to walk in and starts counting down. You know, you're 500 feet away. You're 400 feet away. And then once you get in the you know 30, 20, 15 feet, you realize uh, it might not be so accurate. You just you're just in the zone and you have to start looking for what 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 doesn't look right or right. if you've there's always there's a hint in the title that gives you a sense of what you're looking for. When you get close, does the does the iPhone start vibrating in like orgasmic joy? Oh, it's coming! We're really close. <laughs> Um, Avi can't speak to the orgasmic, but does it? (laughs) That's disgusting. Was his comment? That's you're right. Lex is disgusting. Um, It does. It it does vibrate, right? Um. Well, when you're within 115 feet, it like dings. It goes like ding, ding, ding. Well, that's that's pretty much as exciting as I was hoping. Well, that's because you have the ringer off. Oh, oh yeah, that's what it is. I have it on vibrate. I had no idea it would ding. Uh, yeah, it does get, yeah, you do get the, you're getting close, warmer, warmer <laughs> excitement. Of it. So the answer to your question in Lex is yes. Yes. Exactly. All right. Exactly. I'm in. I'm going to do this. Can we actually, this is what we really have to plug is there's, <laughs> there's one Forget more that aspect. scandal. Well, there's another aspect of geocaching, which is that there's something called trackables. Um, and they are like, uh, how would you describe it, Avi? A trackable is like a little dog tag. Um, that you hide in a cache and it has a, a code, and when people find it, they um, make it travel, and then you can put in the code on geocaching.com and see where it's been. Yeah, so if you find one of these trackables, you've got its own, it's got its own proprietary number. You go to geocaching.com, you input the number, and you find out who planted it. Uh, where they initially planted it, and what their goal is. So, like, we went back east for our cousin Sarah's bat mitzvah a couple weeks ago, (laughs) and when we were in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, we dropped off a trackable in one specific cache that we found at a shopping center in Harrisburg. Oh, so you can hide your own stuff in other people's geocache hidden things. Yes, exactly. Now I get it. Right. We hid a trackable in someone else's cache, and then that trackable, if you go online, if you find it and go online and you read what our goal is, our goal is for it to somehow make its way back to California where we live. And so I know we know it's been found. The first person who found it moved it to another cache. So if Avi can read off the cache that it's in, presumably all your New Jersey listeners will go and find it because it's been moved to New Jersey. Which is also where I live. Yes, exactly. So, where is it, Avi? Well, the cache is called Timbuktu. Timbuktu, spelled T-I-M-B-U-C-T-O-O. And the code, the code for it, if you search the GC code, it's GC427PT. We encourage your listeners to go find GC427PT and help return our trackable to California. You might be talking to the right people. Our, our audience would do something like that. Right. I believe that. I believe in them. And we'll come up with a prize if an unprofessional listener is the person who next finds uh, GC427PT. Then I'll, I'll give them something. I don't know what it is. Uh, Probably very cool. Yeah, we'll give, them, we'll give them a we'll, we'll give them a free car so, or a copy of one of your books. Great. Right. So right. if they find it, there's there's a they'll, they'll they'll log it, and in the log they can mention that they heard about it on on unprofessional. That would be That's so right. cool. Oh, that, that would, would be, be great. Pre- 
Very cool. Well, Avi, it was very nice to meet you and talk to you about that. Thank you. That nice was great. Nice to meet you, too. All right. Now give me that earbud back. <laughs> this reminds me of uh, Where's George, that thing where you could type in the serial number on a dollar bill and, and track where your, yes. your money was. Yes. <laughs> yes. It is like a far more elaborate version of that. Right. And because the disappointing thing with Where's George is that nobody ever found your dollar bill. Or if you found one, you, you saw that it was in two places six years ago and now you have it. So that was interesting, but it was it was very boring because there was almost no interaction with dollar bills. But this is like, they're always there. You can go get them and see these spots. I like it. Yeah, that is true. Also, you know, I dragged Avi in for that discussion, but... Uh, this is a pastime that I do myself alone all the time now. It started as like, uh, you know, this great kid lives next door and is our friend. Uh, told us about it. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. Something I could do with my kid. And we did it. And somehow, uh, next thing I knew, I was like, my car was in the shop for like two hours. I had to kill. And I was like, what am I going to do now? And I'm like, oh! geocaching <laughs> and i spent the next two hours uh you know just hunting around thousand oaks looking for geocaches and finding them and uh now i whenever i've got free time i walk around and i geocache well i can see the appeal of it it's a it's a treasure map yes exactly who doesn't want to be a pirate oh man the geocaching app is the geocaching app is ten dollars you have a financial stake in the success of the geocaching app huh you can tell us. It's that okay. is not true. That is not true. <laughs> I have no stake. And there is a free, I think it's called Intro to Geocaching, which is really all you need to get into the sport. So you can get into it oh, free. Right. I've been suckered into the, the $10 right and the premium membership, 30 bucks for the year. So I've gotten, <laughs> I've gotten sucked in. But you can absolutely get into it today for free. By calling this toll-free number. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, sadly, I have no stake. What I actually would like to do, I have, I have planted myself a couple scandal geocaches around the studio where we work. One of them is uh, near the front gate so that you have to be really stealthy so that the security guards don't hassle you <laughs> and one's on the other end of the uh, of the studio but i'd really like is to convince the powers that be to hide some scandal specific geocaches um like i don't know each where the each cache is dedicated to a character or something this is so there's some there's some promotional way to use uh geocaching i think i haven't quite cracked it yet you could oh can you do like temporary geocaches like a time geocache um, yes, there are all social, there are other kinds too. There are virtual geocaches in which all you have to do is post a picture of yourself at the proper place. That's and cool. there are rip, there are puzzle ones where you're not given the correct coordinates, but there's a, you have to crack a puzzle to do it. There are multiple geocaches where one clue leads you to the next. There's all sorts of stuff. So here's my idea. Do a temporary geocache where they find you. Uh, you know what? I would do that. I would do that. Or like failing that, do one of the virtual geocaches where it's a picture of you in that location that somebody could Photoshop themselves into, and it, lo- it would look like the two of you were interacting. <laughs> I like it. It's a great idea. I would hate to actually be the prize itself and then find that no one is looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a that would be a terrible blow to my ego. I was also, you know, you, you want to do tie-ins with not just scandal characters, but maybe do it with places on the show. So you hide one by the White House and see who is stupid enough to try to find <laughs> something yeah. hidden by the White so House. So you oh, are just, you guys are just intent on the dark side of geocaching. Oh no, I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm going to see the dark side of everything. Here's, really. here's what I'm worried about. 
you live in California, you live in Southern California, so maybe there's a ton there. What if I, you know, uh, open the app and I say, show me stuff around here and it's far away? Like, I don't want to go 50 miles to find something. I want to go within the neighborhood. Are there going to be people hiding stuff in central New Jersey? I just don't know. Absolutely. I think there is, in fact, no... The the thing that is most shocking to me, uh, or was, is that... These things are everywhere. I mean, everywhere I go, when you open the app on your iPhone, there's something a tenth of a mile away. It seems like it's wow. just it's amazing. Well, let's give me so, a, give me a, give me well give me a zip code. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna download the app and, and see. Okay. what I'm on geocaching.com right now. Well, give me what, uh, give me a zip. All right, code. my yeah. my zip code is eight zero two zero five zero five. Sure, let's see what we got. Um, That's... yeah, I'm just seeing tons and tons and tons. There you go. <laughs> In Colorado, do you know where the Black American West Museum and Heritage Center are? I'm going to say yes, so I don't sound like a racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. You, you, you love going there. I've got a membership. Denver's Denargo City Market. You're just making shit up. I might be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My point is there are geocaches everywhere. Yes. I believe there's one thing in Colorado I haven't heard of, but two? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> there are caches everywhere. That's ultimately my point. I'm installing the app. I'm installing the $10 version of the app. Oh, look and, at you. Uh, He's a big spender. I guess so. Right. Be- because I, every time I try to launch the geocaching app right now, my Skype call that I'm making through my iPhone starts to get stuttery, so I can't look at it yet. So since okay. I can't, I <laughs> yes. will abruptly shift gears and ask you a totally different question. Less. Uh, as we do with every guest, I did copious, copious minutes of research <laughs> and uh, learned the glasses that you are known for are no longer glasses you need you got lasik at some point true you're drew carrying us i, uh, I got why is that what drew carry does oh yeah. yeah he got lasik years ago and he's been wearing fake uh. glasses that, well that was his trademark uh. drew carry well, i mean and, it, it, indeed it was but i just i didn't know that it was the same situation i didn't know oh, that yeah. as usual even uh i, I just I, I have no original moves <laughs> I'm not saying it's like a hackneyed, overdone yeah. thing. I think, that you're doing. I think that's exactly saying. what you're saying. But, <laughs> He's uh, totally yeah. pulling a carry. <laughs> Back in the sports night days, I did used to wear glasses, and uh, I wore them on sports night. And soon after sports night, I had the money to get uh, uh, LASIK <laughs> surgery for the first time, and I decided to do it. Um, that actually went only partially well. <laughs> I did. Uh, yeah, I got the. I went to get the um, <clears throat> the uh, LASIK done, and you know they have that weird uh, clockwork orange thing that holds your eye open, the speculum for your eye. And, um, <laughs> that is they, absolutely the worst way to describe that, and I love it. I know that was pretty bad. It makes it doubly gross. <laughs> the eye speculum, yes. Well, uh, they put that in, pulling the eye open. They they lower this piece of machinery, and the doctor said uh, you will feel uh, you know an intense pressure. And just briefly, and I did, and then he lifted it, and then there's this weird moment. He said, uh, "I would like to talk to you in my office," <laughs> right after oh having done God. this thing. And I walked into his office, and I was like, "Yes." And he goes, "Yeah, these, like the principal's office." These spe- a little bit. The speculum didn't uh, open your eye as wide as it was supposed to. I didn't get a full cut, and uh, you know, I've done twenty thousand, and this has happened once before, or something like that. Um, and really, now what you should do is let your eye heal for the next six months, and uh, come back, and we should redo it. So that was weird. Uh, everything in the end <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. And, Had we already done the other eye? No, actually. And then the next question was, 
So do you want to do both eyes six months from now, or do you want to do the other eye now? And uh, I don't know if it was the Xanax kicking in, or what. I was like, let's do the other eye. And I'm so already we did the, here. We, yeah, exactly. And we did the, well, the odds uh, are in your favor. It's only happened once before. Yeah, I uh, and we did do the other eye, and that went fine. And ultimately, the whole thing was fine. And now I can see without glasses, but to my horror, I've realized... It's one of the only ways I can accessorize as a, as a man. I don't wear a lot of jewelry, and uh, I miss the glasses. I miss wearing glasses. And as I've aged, uh, my uh, already amphibious looks are, <laughs> are, are really degrading to the point where I just shouldn't be seen without glasses. I have just terrible, terrible eye bags and... Uh, the more I would wear a ski mask if I could, except socially it's not acceptable. <laughs> you said you couldn't go shopping in convenience stores. Ex- that is true. The after the first season of Scandal, I sent Shonda Rhimes during the break, the hiatus between seasons. I sent her uh, an email imploring her to allow me to wear glasses, and as visual aids, I sent a picture of Brad Pitt in glasses. Uh, <laughs> saying, this is me, this is me in glasses, and then a, a horrific picture of me without glasses, saying this is without. <laughs> I've actually, and she immediately responded, "It's fine. You want glasses? Fine. We'll do a little. Uh, we'll try some on, and you'll wear glasses." Although I subsequently realized when I, her interpretation of my email saying my eyes are so terrible, I would like to wear glasses. I was talking about the looks of my eyes. She thought I spent the first season unable to see. She was like, "Oh my god, you should have told me sooner." You know, I didn't know your eyes were so bad, and. So, whatever. The happy story is that now I get to wear glasses. And weirdly, I'm wearing them now. They help you hear us better. Wait, can you can you hear us? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. What's okay. going on there? I was <laughs> good. I was worried that you were going to say that Sean was like, "Oh, so this explains why you always looked so flu-. I thought you were going to build to like an unintentional insult from her thinking that the glasses were because you couldn't see during your shooting scenes. You're like, oh, well, this explains why Josh did so poorly last season. Now we know. <laughs> no wonder you can't no, find that, your mark. That may have been no. what she was thinking. I don't know. See, I got LASIK in 2003, so 10 years sure. ago, a couple months before I got married. And the, the cool thing for me about the experience was, A, they didn't seem to mess it up. But it was in – I was living in Southern California at the time, and this doctor's office had a uh, a view of the Hollywood sign. So before the procedure, they have you sit up, and you look out the window at the Hollywood sign, and I can't see it at all. And then after the right. procedure, as soon as they're done, they sit you up again, and then I could see it, and it was – exciting and clear and so that was good did you have to wear the eye mask afterwards for me that was the horrible part eye mask well you know i do i remember yeah two big plastic discs i had to wear over my eyes and they're like this is just to keep anything going into your eye and i remember saying you know what nothing goes into my eyes <laughs> like I, I you know i can't remember the last time something went into my eye i should be fine the, the doctor was insistent and i went uh home and i remember playing with my kids and just hearing click, 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 click. And I was like, oh, I guess my kids' eye, fingers are in my eyes all the time because <laughs> these things are, in fact, protecting me. Like, my God, their fingers must be in my eyes a lot. They, they gave me these goggles to wear when I slept so that I wouldn't scratch my eyes in my sleep. And well, why would I scratch my eyes in my sleep? They're not so itchy now when I'm awake. And I put them on anyway. They should give you a cone to wear around your neck. <laughs> exactly. So I put <laughs> yeah. them on and I wake up my wife next to me because I'm – in the middle of the night, my hands are totally under both sides of these goggles that are really tight on my face, so my fingers are bright red from being trapped under them, and my I'm clawing at my eyes in my sleep. I had no idea. I felt fine. I don't think I messed anything up because yeah. I see fine now. But I will admit, though, after I got the procedure, and so I, my wife had only ever known me wearing glasses, and now she saw me without glasses, there was definitely a, a period of time during which Lauren had to find me attractive all over again. 
<laughs> it's an that adjustment. That poor woman. Yeah. I wear glasses, Josh, for the exact same reason that you wear glasses, which is I just I think I look better in glasses. No way. I don't, I don't think I could. I don't think I could do LASIK and then still wear glasses and feel okay about it. Like you're on TV, so that's like that's a different thing. You you have to be concerned. About it. I feel like I would just be an asshole if I did it. Well, I think you're calling me an asshole, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, but I think I, I think I'm comfortable with that. I feel well. This is the reason. Here, here's the here's the truth. I feel like uh, the reason I talk about it so much is to de-assholeize it. <laughs> I feel like look, if I do it and I admit it, that's one thing. If I put it on and I'm pretending that you know that I wear glasses, and so I guess I'm with you. There is something assholeish about it. Are there fake lenses in there? There are. Yeah, just clear. Yeah, they're not like the guy on, you know, uh, Raj on, uh, <laughs> what was that show? There was a sitcom with the May, with the, oh, what the hell is it? What's happening? What's happening? Yeah, the guy on What's Happening clearly had nothing. You could stick your finger through that. So yeah, I have clear <laughs> lenses in mind. Look, I wish now that my, I, I needed glasses just a little bit <laughs> and I could get some of the mild prescription, but damn it, the, the surgery is just too good. So uh, I'm looking for your advice here. Should I go LASIK and fake glasses or should I just stick with what I Go got? LASIK and fake glasses. All right. I, if anybody asks me, if anybody calls me a poser, I'm going to tell them Josh Molina said it was okay. TV's Josh Molina said it was okay. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. He didn't just say it was okay. He told you to. That's true. This is like a note from my mom. I got <laughs> one of my primary goals with LASIK was I wanted to be able to watch TV in bed at night without seeing it blurry or without risking falling asleep with glasses on my face. And then it's a terrible goal. Uh, it's a terrible reason. But months later, uh, my wife was made over on the short-lived show Queer Eye for the Straight Girl, really? during which they took <laughs> yeah, during which they took the television out of our home, out of our bedroom because they said you shouldn't have a TV in the bedroom, basically implying that the bedroom was strictly for sex, which ah. had never occurred to either of us. Or sleep. <laughs> but yeah, so so ever since then we have never had a TV in the bedroom. So the number one reason I got LASIK I no longer have, but still, I I recommend it to everybody. Did you just say you don't have sex in the bedroom? It was a it was a joke, but yes. Oh, I was going to ask where you... Never mind. I don't really know. I was going to go off on the TV thing, which is that I always swore that as a parent I would never allow my children to have televisions in their bedrooms. Um, but now the computer is... A television is so much more that they've done an end run around me and, you know, they have computers, which are just as good. And even if it isn't TV, it's going to be Wikipedia or Twitter or something. True. At least on Wikipedia, they'd be they'd be learning things that are mostly true. Uh, yes, like that, and, and they think that I'm five ten, which is nice. <laughs> Don't let them listen to this podcast. No, never. Dave, let's pause for a moment and acknowledge this episode's two very fine sponsors. Listen, if we're going to have uh, Josh Molina on Unprofessional, we need to have two awesome sponsors to support that episode, and in fact, we do. So uh, today, we've got our first sponsor is. Audio Hijack Pro from Rogue Amoeba. I want you to go to unprofesh.com slash audio, and you're going to find these. Unprofesh.com slash audio. Audio Hijack Pro, here's what it does. You can record any audio on your Mac. So that means you can record Skype conversations, which unsurprisingly is important to us. Uh, you can record audio from any audio device connected to your Mac, along with any app on the Mac. Maybe you're listening to a podcast in Safari. Maybe you're listening to something else that's streaming onto your Mac. Whatever it is, if your Mac can play it, Audio Hijack Pro can record it. 
And then you keep that recording and then you listen to it over and over again and you fill your life with joy and happiness and wonderment. So it's Rogue Amoeba and the folks at Rogue Amoeba are friends of ours, friends of the show, and they know everything there is to know about audio. It's as far as I can tell. So go check out Audio Hijack Pro. Make sure that they know that Unprofessional sent you. Again, it's unprofesh.com slash audio. You're going to learn all about Rogue Amoeba's Audio Hijack Pro. You're going to fall in love. You're going to buy it. Everybody's going to get rich. It's going to be great. So thank you, dear friends at Rogue Amoeba, for Audio Hijack Pro. We've also got a great deal for you today from our friends at Squarespace. Now, look, I know you hear a lot about Squarespace, but the truth is where there's smoke, there's fire, and they do have a really great product. It's a do-it-yourself website platform that allows you to make a website or a blog in just a few minutes. Now, Squarespace gives you a free domain name, they handle all the hosting, and they have 24-hour customer support. Everything on the platform is drag and drop, so it's incredibly easy to use. You can take pictures right off your desktop and create custom layouts with multiple columns, and you can get text that wraps perfectly around your images and your videos. And the templates are customizable, so you can make the look and feel of your website your own. And they let your content do all the talking. But if you want to switch out a template, you can do that any time. It's not like it's a hassle. Another thing that's really cool about Squarespace is the website you create will scale automatically to fit perfectly on an iPad, an iPhone, a computer, or I don't know if you have some other kind of device. And they'll pull content from your blogs or push content back out to your social networks. Uh, their unlimited plans offer the best value with unlimited pages, galleries, blog, unlimited storage, bandwidth, contributors. Uh, but you can go to squarespace.com unprofessional and start a free trial. That's a real free trial. No credit card required. Really free. If you do decide to purchase, though, click on enter an offer code below pricing at checkout and enter the offer code unprofessional4. The 4th for the month of April so they know that you came in and it was off of this show, this particular episode, uh, and you'll get a discount. That's squarespace.com slash unprofessional. And the offer code again is unprofessional four, the number four. And uh, maybe if you have time, you could you could stop by twitter.com slash unprofesh or facebook.com slash unprofesh. We're fortunate enough to have some pretty great sponsors, and that's because we're fortunate enough to have some pretty great listeners. So uh, anything you can do to uh, to show that you listen to the show is, is ultimately good for us and helps us offer even better stuff to you. But uh, for now, let's get back to the show. One thing I've noticed, you don't do it nearly as much as another mutual friend of ours, Michael Ian Black, who does not know me at all, but <laughs> he'll post things about his, he'll post tweets that are clearly hilarious, where he's also mocking his children. Now, I don't know if his kid, I, I, I'm 100% certain that his kids know, if they even see these tweets, that they know that he's joking, but you have on occasion used your kids as punchlines. Are they aware? Do you get their approval first? Do you tell them so they don't happen across it, or do they just not give a shit at all? It's a great question. Um, I, I, I yearn for the uh, the freedom of a Michael Ian Black. See, a Michael, first of all, obviously far better known than I, a million seven followers or something like that. I offer more of a boutique experience on Twitter. <laughs> um, so, but also, like, he's known as, he's a comedian. And so you get a certain, like, if he writes about his wife, you understand that wife is probably in quotation marks. If he writes about his kids, they're probably in quotation marks. Uh, to me, and again, to the small extent that I'm known, it's like, it's like some actor guy in drama. So I think I don't get to have that freedom that, like, I'm a comedian, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I worry a little bit. Um, then there's the, yeah, my family doesn't give me that freedom either. My wife's like, don't be writing about me. I'm like, honey, it's, it's, it's wife in quotes. <laughs> I just come up with a joke about a wife. It's not clearly, it's not about you. She's like, forget it. Um, my kids do totally get it. And they sort of, uh, 
most of the time I tell them either before or after. If it's really questionable, I'll usually say beforehand. But they're always like, yeah, go ahead, write it. Um, and so I would say half the time I've completely fictionalized and just made up something that it would be funny if my kid had said or if I had said to my kid and just isn't true at all. Other times my kids do just say ridiculously, I think, funny things and I will tweet them. Um, every year I like to tweet around holiday time my daughter's classic quote from when she was seven which was i hate joyful music (laughs) (laughs) that was just such a brilliant uh, comment on the entire holiday period um but then i have even forget about the family stuff there are things i just can't write on twitter i just have too many rabbis following me (laughs) like (laughs) friends of the family and the older relatives you know i don't have the freedom again of a michael ian black so i once uh ghost wrote a tweet for Michael. I was like, I can't possibly say this, but I think you should tweet this. People preach about a woman's right to breastfeed in public and then jump all over you if you put your penis in a baby's mouth at a restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That's a good tweet. And so I'm looking at it here, uh, and I just remember he then tweeted it, and people started unfollowing him in in droves. (laughs) Um, they are probably going to anyway. Right, actually. that's what I figure. And he's, his numbers are holding fine. But, uh, yeah, that's the difference between a, a Michael Black and a Josh Molina. He, he can get away with that stuff. I would be, literally, I would probably be fired from my television show if I tweeted it. <laughs> See, I just think about it as people who are known for being funny. And while you mentioned, you know, you've done, the shows you have been on are ostensibly dramas. You've been very funny on at least two-thirds of them. I don't know if Scandal really you have so many funny moments, per se. Mostly, you you just get shat on again and again on scandal. That is a, feel that's sorry a pretty good you. wrap up. Yeah, they've started. The writers have started to give me, I think, uh, some more. Uh, like sometimes I got some little edgy digs at other people that are uh, funny. You know, to the extent that there's there's room for lighter moments or comedy in scandal, I'm getting uh, getting some of them. That's good. That's right. Wait, was sports night a drama? Well, no, I would say I guess it was that horrific word uh, dramedy. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I think it really it was a comedy. Um, yeah, my, in, in, in a, in a, to a significant extent, my entire career is different from how I envisioned it. Um, because in my mind, I'm really just a comic actor, and I thought I would do comedies and sitcoms, and that's what I'd be known for, and, and it just hasn't really happened. And somehow, I sidled into being a dramatic actor of sorts, I guess thanks to Aaron Sorkin, who cast me in uh, various things. But what I love about you on Twitter specifically is that you don't mind... I cannot come up with a clean way of saying this, but you don't mind being a dick on Twitter if it serves being funny. At least this is my analysis of it, where you'll respond in what I think are hilarious and delightful, but still dickish ways to people who ask you obnoxious questions or ask you, I would even say stupid questions, even if their intent is not to be obnoxious. Um, I love your recurrent uh, this is the worst person on Facebook series of tweets. <laughs> Which sends people, of course, all to their own. That's like the, the greatest uh, internet Rorschach test I've ever found. I, of course, am not the uh, creator of it, but I found somewhere like, here's a funny prank. Uh, you but you are, you are the best executor of it. You're very kind. Uh, you know, you tweet this link, and I always tweet it with the same 
um, text saying, uh, this has got to be truly the worst person on Facebook. <laughs> and you click on the link and it, it sends everyone to their own Facebook page. Um, and I would say probably the large majority of people realize instantly that it's a joke. But a very significant number of people are like, what the <laughs> fuck? That guy, <laughs> Josh Molina. This, like, whatever, C-list actor guy hates me. And, and, just the, the, and then, of course, I'll retweet whatever moronic thing somebody is saying. I've had people say, you know, people think it's their politics you know someone i just did it yesterday and someone was like all i do are animal pictures and <laughs> positive <laughs> thoughts like what the fuck is wrong what, what's with you so it's very funny it's just a they're yeah. also they they can be subtle too here's one from an hour ago somebody had said just finished college today any life advice and your response was dream tiny <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do enjoy uh, one look. I use it largely as a way to pimp scandal, which I probably do too, too, too much, although I, I think arguably Twitter has been a big part of scandal success. And then I, I try to make jokes, dumb jokes, funny jokes, hopefully. Um, and I am a bit of what what you call in Yiddish a kochleffel. Which is a, you know, a shit stirrer or a pot stirrer. I do like to, I like to work people up. Um, so, yeah. I, uh, we do the same thing. Obviously, there are things I won't say that I'll try to get Michael Black to say. But <laughs> there aren't too many things that I, that I, that I won't say. I'd like, to, I'd like to work people up. I like to make people laugh. I like to, um, I like to, you know, people will take blind shots at me, you know, strangers. I understand it's a two-way street, so people will say... Uh, shitty things to me. Just today, someone wrote. I don't inexplicably. I'm not even sure why. I'm gonna let me find this one. Um, Twitter, the great equalizer, finally giving celebrities a chance to say shitty things back to them. <laughs> yeah, <family>. exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, you know, when I tell friends to get into them, like either you know you have to have thick skin, or otherwise, just don't even take a step into into this arena. Um, yeah, this person wrote doo, 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 doo. Big Mac 216 wrote something about I've been watching Sports Night on Netflix. Did they tell you to act like such a puss? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I retweeted it and I said, Were you told to tweet like an ignorant cock? <laughs> there you go. These are the I kind of it. these are the kind of fan interactions I relish. I, I think <laughs> it's it, great. It, it really makes the whole thing feel so interactive. But that's what I think. Celebrities, they're just like us. Right? <laughs> Willing to be dicks when it's funny. Exactly. <laughs> Lex, do you do you do you think you censor yourself? Well, you know, people follow me mostly, I think, because they don't know who I am and they don't know how to use Twitter, <laughs> or because they know me from Macworld stuff. So mm-hmm. they know me because I write about technology. And I think that a steadily decreasing percentage of my tweets are about technology and i feel some guilt especially if i have a day where i'm only doing what i think are humorous tweets that have nothing to do with my day job i worry that maybe i'm disappointing some of the people who follow me for those things but who cares exactly that's what i have decided is who cares if it's going to amuse me i'm going to tweet it at this point now the one thing i can't do you talk about your jealousy uh, josh of, of michael ian black i just call him michael ian black i am mostly jealous of rob delaney because he tweets, I, I would say, always the penis and baby's mouth level, or, <laughs> or often the penis and baby's mouth level of, of humor. And that I feel like I can't do because, you know, my, my sister follows me on Twitter and my other sister follows me on Twitter and my parents. And it's like, I don't want to make a penis baby mouth joke for my parents to read and stuff. It's, 
so I do draw I draw a line, but I I, I have gotten over ninety eight percent of it. I, I filter very little at this point. Yeah, I I admire people generally who I have. You'd probably be surprised to learn I have a very low humiliation threshold. I get uh, embarrassed. <laughs> they're just they're just things I won't do, and I admire people who just kind of don't have that edit or that that veil, uh, like a Rob Delaney. I have an understanding with my mom. She does not follow me on Twitter. She is not a friend on Facebook. I can say whatever the fuck I want. That's good. <laughs> That's good. That's a good thing. I don't think I could live any other way. I think that if I had to censor myself, you uh, would be dead. You out. would you would literally die. I think is what would happen. I, I would. I would literally die. It would be awful. It would be the worst thing ever. Yeah. Now, what I like is that Josh said that not only are he and I Fitbit friends, but we are Twitter friends, um, seemingly failing to acknowledge the fact that, in at least in some respects, I have paid for the privilege. <laughs> Of Josh being my Twitter friend, you're a good man. Although, actually, no, I'll give you. I even give you even greater props because our, our uh, Twitter friendship, I think, predates my trying to wring money That's out true. of you. So it's That's actually true. that was really just proving that you are a true friend. Uh, oh, we can just pay for you to follow us. <laughs> well, yes. yes. How much? Yeah. I'll send you a check right well, now. How much? Ten bucks. I, but it's not to me. I I um, I've gotten involved with an organization called Mazone. Uh, and you can see it, M-A-Z-O-N dot org is their website. I'm pulling it up. And uh, so the last two years, I've done a Facebook, uh, you know, they have an app called Causes, where you can basically say, you know, instead of sending me a gift, how about making a, a d- donation to an organization I like? I always phrase it, in addition to a gift, how about making a, an, a donation? <laughs> um, and then, la- so last year for my birthday, I did this just really on a whim. I'm like, eh, I'm going to pick one of the organizations I like, I'll do this thing. And try to harass people for a little money. And we raised, I think I raised like $5,000, which was hugely beyond what I ever imagined. And then this year, I was hesitant to do it again uh, because I just didn't want to be one of those people asking, particularly strangers, because most people who are friends with me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter are not people I know. Um, And then I thought, "Ah, you know, it's for a good cause. What the hell? People can go, eh. I'm not giving again. Let them say no. So, I, But I decided I'd do it again, and then I threw in uh, what I thought was a good gimmick. I said, for 10 bucks to my zone, I will follow you on Twitter. And a lot of people responded. Um, a lot of people gave above and beyond 10 bucks, And the thing just went crazy. Ended up raising $18,000. And wow. then, yeah, and then this um, great organization called Nifty tweeted out to me. It's uh, it's the it's an organization of reformed Jewish teens. I want to make sure I get the it's uh, the I want to make sure I get the acronym correct. North American Federation of Temple Youth Nifty uh, tweets out to me. Uh, if you'll come to our convention, we'll match your Mazone campaign to the tune of ten thousand dollars. Um, wow. I tweeted back, like, are you kidding me? I'll be there. And so, Andrew What you Brady, should have done is said, uh, well, you can have just me for $7,000 direct <laughs> to the Molina Fund. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm a businessman, Josh. Yeah, the website is weird. The, uh, the contribution amounts are $18, $36, $54. Y these weird dollar uh, amounts? Jews tend to give and to... Uh, uh, Solicit um, donations. Solicit. In. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. In uh, multiples of 18, every uh, Jewish uh, Hebrew letter has a uh, numerical. My son just walked in and shrugged at me like, I thought you were supposed to take me skateboarding. 
<laughs> Stop talking to these guys. Um, Jews give and solicit in um, multiples of 18 because 18 represents the Hebrew word chai, which means life. So it's just considered a po- positive life-affirming thing. When I try to figure out what do I want to give money to, I have this incredible internal debate over, you know, what's, what are the causes worth giving to? Because I, to me, I would rather give a lot of money to a few things than a little bit of money to a lot of things because I feel like it's more impactful to, to do the more when I can. And I have decided that the two things I give to the most um, are environmental causes because I worry about the world getting too hot to support my great-grandchildren right. and to cancer curing because – I don't know. Everybody I know seems to suffer from or have mm-hmm. someone who dies from cancer. So how do you pick? I mean, I'm not saying you've done anything wrong with hunger. I think hunger is worth fighting. But how do you decide which things you're going to you know, give your attention to? Yeah, that's a great question because there's, no, uh, there's no dearth of, uh, of good causes. I, um, one thing I do like, and maybe this is terribly provincial or tribal of me, but I like causes – uh, that ha- come from a Jewish inspiration. Like Mazon is a uh, an organization, a national organization that addresses hunger issues in America and in Israel. But for people of any denomination, you, don't, you know, uh, it's not just Jews. But it has a Jewish inspiration. Um, there, the concept in Judaism of tikkun olam, creating uh, or helping to repair the world and create a, a better world and leave a leave a slightly better place than you found. Um, I like that. There's an organization in Los Angeles called Beit Sedek, which is a pro bono law firm that helps people, regardless of faith or any other uh, division. So, but it has a Jewish um, inspiration. It comes from a, there's a verse in the Torah: "Tzedek, Tzedek, Tirdof, justice, justice, you'll pursue." So I like things that um, stir up a little positive PR for the Jews, because God knows we could use it. Um, but that are organizations that help people, not solely because they're Jewish, but to help people regardless of any religious background. So that's part of it. And then I just like things where most of the money goes to the people who need it. And uh, things, um, it's probably a terrible thing to say, I, I go for humans over animals. Uh, my, I died a little bit inside when at the end of the first season of Celebrity Poker Showdown, which I was, uh, of which I was one of the executive producers, um, it came down to a battle between David Cross, who was playing for an orphanage, and <laughs> Nicole Sullivan, <laughs> who was playing for Alley Cats. <laughs> there's a hundred thousand dollars on the line and man did i want the orphans to walk away with that money but uh, sadly sadly somewhere in the united states there are alley cats at a spa like you know smoking cigarettes and eating caviar um because nicole sullivan won so <laughs> how do you walk away from that feeling good uh i didn't feel good about it like I, suck it orphans yes. Which season was that? Was that like, that was early? I believe the very first season because yeah so, I'm pretty sure because what I'm wondering is did you after this disaster do you say we by the way we now get veto rights over the charity you bring to Celebrity Poker Show? Well, there was a lot of discussion of that, and what we finally uh, decided was that uh, any nonprofit <laughs> that we really couldn't interfere and uh, p- you know impose our <laughs> own beliefs or <laughs> desires on the celebrities, and we had to leave it. Up to them as long as it was a nonprofit. The fact that there is a nonprofit in the United States uh, dedicated solely to the needs of alley cats, I find shocking. 
<laughs> and appalling, but there you go. So you're, you're saying you're not a cat person. You know what? I like a, I like a good cat. I'd rather feed a hungry child. <laughs> if we have hungry, or if we have uh, starving children and all these extra cats. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. You I'm, are, I'm not, you are a forward thinker. That's a very holistic approach. I do. Have, also, right. I should. My I have a sister Nicole who like wakes up at five in the morning twice a week to feed alley cats. So I I have great respect for people who do uh, care about these things and are committed to it. I just my my money generally goes to human charities. So where's the where's the give you where's the the give money to charity so I can get you to follow me? Link. How do I get? Ah, that? let me uh, let me. Uh, this is going to take a while too. It's been. We'll uh, put it in the show notes. So what I'm doing here is I'm saying this as if it's me, but really I'm trying to put it out there for our listeners. That would be and brilliant. And get you to follow me on Twitter. But that would utterly delight me. Um, it's, uh, you know, I put it up for my birthday, so I was like, do I take it down now that it's three months after my birthday? But I thought, no, if I can still keep adding 10 bucks even. So let me see. I'm trying to find it now. You know what? Instead of telling the URL since it's long, unprofessional.com slash Josh Molina, that'll take you to where you can donate. It, by the way, it's not just donating to Mazone. You also have to follow Josh first. He's not going to follow you if you're not following him, so don't be a dick about it. But so go right. to com slash Josh Molina. Give the minimum $10. And if you really, I mean, if you want him to follow you and also read what you write, probably uh, let's let's kick it up to at least 18 because now we all yeah. know what that means. For 36, then, I'll gently laugh at something you've written every week. <laughs> Now I want to ask: Has this ruined your Twitter experience? Do you do you yes. maintain a separate secret account? <laughs> no, I do. I have I have not uh, done the separate secret account, but it has ruined my Twitter experience, which is that I've, you know, I'm now following 1,100 people, and it's a nightmare. But get a get get a client that mutes. You can start muting on these people. You I don't thought know. about that, but then I feel that is an inherent. Uh, I feel like I will. I, yeah. I, it's a scam if I'm if I'm muting. So I really do try to take in. I try to read what my new people write. I try to take them all in. I, I wish I could give you the long. Don't even try to actually follow this one, but it makes me laugh. What the actual link is, which is slash <laughs> actions slash one seven two one zero four nine dash thank me for all the joy I've brought you over the years. <laughs> <laughs> it's a humble link. Wait, where are you? I'll follow you right now. What what is your uh, what's your Twitter handle? D Wiskus. D W I S K U S. There you are. Are you an actor? I could be. Because I mean that picture is very it's dreaming. Oh, well, thank you. So um, the last thing I want to ask you about, because it's come up so much, I was, you know, we just had a show a couple of weeks ago where we talked a lot about religion, and clearly your, your, your Jewishness is a large part of your identity. True. Um, what I want to know is, how observant is your Molina family now? Like, do, you always say Shabbat Shalom to your tweeps on Fridays, and then are you, I haven't noticed, are you offline all Friday night and Saturday? Are you like a Shomer Jew? That's a good How's question. I am, in fact, not Shomer Shabbat. Shomer Shabbat being, um, you know, uh, the ortho- <clears throat> excuse me, Orthodox Jews will not use electricity. They will not drive um, from sundown Friday till you know uh, Saturday sundown or an hour after. Um, I try to remove myself to some extent. I try not to tweet <laughs> or post on Facebook during Shabbos as an attempt just to have a little bit. I, I actually. Part of me wishes someday to make that full commitment to being Shomer Shabbat. And because it is a brilliant idea, I think. I, I got to give the ancient Jews credit. The idea of pulling out of the work world and stop thinking it, don't think about business, don't do business, turn the TV off. They weren't thinking turn the TV off. They were, they were See, that's ahead. exactly it. That's, that, that's my big thinkers. thing is that 
I, I, Shomer Shabbat made sense for them, but they didn't have Twitter to be potentially missing out on. That's right. I know. It's a tough one. They didn't yeah. have TV. TV's gotten so good since the Old Testament. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you. We, we, there was some sort of special Shabbos recently, I guess, nationwide, and uh, my synagogue handed out little sleeping bags for your telephones and uh, we, we we got to and we put all our phones in them the kids and we were like we are actually unplugging for one day and it was it was extraordinary we had a great day i mean the kids first of all were really pissed like leading up to it they were like you must be fucking kidding me like we're not doing this you can't make us do this so already i was like his kids wow. were like you must be fucking kidding me and, and dave gave me shit for saying orgasmic i'm just saying his kids were already <laughs> saying you must be fucking kidding me maybe i'm putting words in their mouth but that was certainly the that was the, at least the, it's just words yeah oh, the, oh okay I'm good. bang uh anyway that was the feeling behind it like you must be kidding i was like wow this is showing me just how important this is to do um but then it was like i remember there's some simpsons episode where the power goes out or something and all the kids sort of struggle into the, the daylight and they, they, they're like oh i can't see and but then they discover like their playgrounds and stuff and they start playing again and it was like that my son was like i can draw because <laughs> the next morning he started drawing, which technically, actually, I think uh, an, an observant Jew, you can't even write or draw. So that would have been a no-no. But in, in our experiment, it was fine. And he was, and he was drawing these incredible pictures and was like, I didn't know I could draw. I'm like, dude, see, maybe you need to unplug a little bit more. There are other things you can do and experience. Um, so in, that was a long way of saying I'm not Shumer Shabbat, but I get the value of it. And I would like to maybe someday. Do you have like? Are you? Do you keep kosher? Do you have a kosher craft table at the show? Wait. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> like craft service. Yeah. No, I eat a lot of che- <laughs> arts and crafts. I eat a lot of cheese sandwiches at <laughs> at work. Got it. Kosher style. They sometimes make um, uh, veggie meatballs. Now, nowadays, so many people. Are, basically, I do. I keep kosher at home, and I will eat at a restaurant that is not kosher. But I just eat like a vegetarian at that restaurant. A more observant. Uh, kosher person would not eat on the same plates that also had bacon on them or whatever. Right. I just eat like a vegetarian when I'm out at a restaurant uh, and when I'm at work. Um, See, that, that's exactly what, what we do. And I try to, as much as possible, enjoy whatever bacon infusion has been left in that plate. <laughs> just grinding it into the plate. Oh, I think I'm getting a little. Just... Yeah. <laughs> I have never, I've never had bacon nor, nor, you know, lobster or crab or, or any of that. My family does not generally listen to the show, but because you're on this episode, <laughs> I think they might. So I have nothing to say in response to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then maybe I might have to cut this part out. I was going to observe that typically we spend so much time on the show talking about atheism that it's kind of nice to give uh, a little equal time to another worldview. Go theists. Go theists. 